Welcome to Life, bringing you insight and experiences into love, relationships, and fertility with a focus on enjoying life and moving forward. Today, I'm here with Dr. Ann Barbieri to talk about how to optimize your health care. Welcome to Life, Love, Insight, Fertility, Experiences. I'm here today with Dr. Barbieri, and we're here to talk about integrated health care. We're going to be talking about optimizing your health care. She's a board-certified OBGYN, and she did special training in integrative medicine, which is so important, I think, in today's health and wellness world. And she's actually in the process of opening up an integrated women's health center called Tara, MD. Thank you, Lori, for uh, having me here. I'm very excited to, to uh, talk about this with you. And, you know, I, I do think it is so important for all of us um, to prioritize our health. And certainly that's what's coming out of the experiences of last year, definitely, too, um, as we're so much more aware about the importance of health and wellness. And for a very long time, I've been very interested, kind of this idea of how we can change the narrative about our healthcare and how we can empower ourselves to get better and to function better within this larger wealth um, world of healthcare. So thanks so much for asking me to be here. I always think that you're wonderful. I really do. And the piece that you said just now that resonates so much with me is that we're looking at health and wellness and what's come out of this past year with this pandemic to me is also almost an acceptance of mental health as well as physical health and how when we integrate like the total mind, body, spirit um, of how a person functions, we're really better able to help them to understand what they need specifically, how to find a doctor, how to access healthcare, how to advocate for yourself, how to do all of these things that, you know, you and I have spoken about. And I'm so glad to like have this open conversation about today. So I'd love to start with actually having people understand why you called the center that you're opening Tara MD. Sure. So um, like you said, I'm, a, I'm at heart. I am an OBGYN physician. I've been in practice. Oh my gosh. It's going to be literally almost 20 years. I think it will be 19 years this coming summer. Um, but I, as I kind of went along my life and, and my work in medicine. And, and I have to say, you know, I've been very uh, blessed with having chosen the right path for myself, because I really do love the field that I work in. I really, several years into it, I really became quite frustrated by really the limitations that the conventional medical system places on both the patient and the physician. Um, sort of this adherence to kind of more cookbook medicine, to very fast sort of fixed band-aids instead of real treatment sometimes, um, to really reliance on prescriptions and surgery. And look, I really do believe that we are very, very good in conventional healthcare about some things like emergency medicine, um, trauma, surgery, um, cancer treatment, for example. But I think we really missed the boat on this larger interconnectivity between, for example, just like you said, our mental health and physical health. health. Um, 
we miss the boat on the importance of things like nutrition and stress reduction and sleep, huge things how, um, about how they contribute to our own health. And we certainly don't practice in conventional medicine this, this idea that we can really partner with our patients to empower them to make changes in their own life to get healthy. It's, it's a lot of it is, you know, the system is designed to write a ton of prescriptions, do it fast and even faster and even faster. Um, but that doesn't often sort of discover the root cause of issues. And it doesn't really empower that patient to make changes in their own life to get healthy and stay healthy. So um, after some years, I decided to, to really take a hard look at this idea of integrative medicine. And all that means is that in integrative medicine, we take a look at the entire toolbox of things. So not just those prescriptions for medications and surgery, but things like mind-body tools, right? Stress reduction, understanding how our emotions impact our physical health and vice versa sleep, nutrition, um, supplements sometimes, acupuncture if it may be helpful, and, and tie that into sometimes, sure, sometimes I still write prescriptions for antibiotics and, and birth control and hormones and, and all of that, but it's kind of integrated together in, in one model. Um, and then Tara MD, I think you asked me about that, right? I That's what that we're going, you know. was a great way to frame it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, I decided to actually a few months ago leave my long-term conventional practice and I have a partner who's also a gynecologist with a similar background in integrative medicine and we decided um, you know 20 years into our careers to change course and open a different type of a women's health practice um, that will incorporate these um, tenets of integrative medicine. Um, we decided to call it Tara MD, not because either my or her name is Tara, but because Tara is actually a name of a Buddhist goddess um, that symbolizes compassion and healing. And those are very two important aspects of integrative medicine. We're not there just to treat, hopefully we were there to heal. Um, and we want to do it in a really understanding and compassionate way. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's important for people to know about you that you happen to be also an excellent physician, aside from just so good at um, intertwining integrative health. But as a physician who practiced for many years at, you know, at Sinai in the city, you're an excellent physician. So integrating integrative health into it, I think is something you've always done in your practice. And, and because sometimes people hear integrated health and they have all different types of ideas. So maybe we could talk about some of the nuts and bolts of like how people do empower themselves, how they do stay motivated, how they find the right doctor for them. Because we have people who think on an emotional level, people who think on an intellectual level, and there's always a good answer, but it's not necessarily the same answer for everybody. And there's not really a cookbook when it comes to that. I think it also depends on why someone is going to see a physician or another healthcare provider. Uh, and it may be a psychologist, it may be a surgeon, it may be a nutritionist. So I think the first thing is to really ask ourselves, what are we looking for in terms of our outcome? And what does that relationship entail? Because 
certainly there are some healthcare practitioners like myself, I'm a gynecologist, and like yourself in psychology, typically these relationships will be ongoing or hopefully they will be ongoing. Whereas there are also, you know, fortunately, we also have medical needs that are much more short term. And we may be looking at other things in those relationships. Let's say I need a knee replacement. You're going to be looking at other things in your orthopedic surgeon that you probably won't be seeing for years and years, as opposed to someone who may be part of your healthcare for a, a much longer term period. You know, it's interesting though, years ago I read a study and it said that people who like their physicians, who feel like their physicians cared about them did better than those who didn't. I think we can't underestimate the importance of communication, of being heard, not just being listened to, but being heard by your physician and the importance of feeling like we're not just a number in that office or clinic. The, the feeling that we are someone that the physician actually is interested in and invested in helping. And I think that's essential, no matter what healthcare practitioner you're going to. And if you don't get that feeling, if you're asking yourself whether really that office practice clinic doctor cares about me in whatever way, that's a big warning sign. Now there are ways to already prepare for that and go into the visit, sort of trying to ascertain that. Mm -hmm. So having a clear idea of why we're going to get help, Um, having an idea of what we need to ask for, working on sometimes, you know, a lot of people have this um, sort of almost a fear of communicating openly. And I would encourage everyone to know that it's very helpful for us on this side to actually talk to people who can ask questions. So don't be afraid, bring your list. If you read something online, because so many people now research things, you know, we have information so readily accessible. I welcome that. I want to be able to understand where you got your information, what you know, what are you interested in getting from me, what sort of person you are and how you work as an individual. What is it that um, motivated you to make this appointment? You know, and, and I'm always surprised to hear how people answer differently. For some people, it may be, well, I'm here because um, I have this pain and I just want to fix it versus I'm here because this pain stops me from playing piano and I really love to do that. And how can I how can I get better? And that helps me put everything in context so we can help work together on a way to get back to what it is that person wants. Right. Yeah, but I think he knowing... Um, what my own goals are in going to see someone or seeing someone, writing them down, that may be helpful so we don't forget it in that um, you know, limited amount of time and asking questions, yeah. Yeah, I do believe, and I, I think I shared with you, I, I do believe in people writing things down, like pen and paper, writing them down more than typing them in um, to your phone. Although studies are showing that you know they're not sure of the difference, but I think that might be- 
I think that might be like the younger generation of um, 20 and under who have grown up yes. being proficient. I, I'm not sure, but I, I still don't know if I believe this, the research. I, I think there's a lot to be said for taking a pen and paper and writing things down and taking the time to just purely focus on what you're writing to understand your list and then bringing it to your doctor, regardless of the doctor's reaction, but feeling like when you are there, you're understood and you're heard and you walk out feeling understood and heard because the distinction is important. Being heard is one thing, but really feeling as if you're understood is another. And um, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And I think we shared with you when I, my first job in social work, I was, I was training medical restaurants, restaurants, medical uh, residents on how to communicate with patients. And they had no interest their first year. And then by the fourth year, they were very interested. So, because, you know, so much of our work, really the success of it really depends on our patients understanding us and understanding how to apply the, you know, the concepts or advice we talk about to their health. So I think it's so important for the, for us as patients to get heard and understood. But I also think it's important for us as physicians to be heard and understood by our patients. So for example, I now ask at the end of each visit, I wanna make sure that that person really understood what we were talking about. So I will often ask them, please tell me, was that clear? Do you have any questions? Can you just repeat back to me what we talked about? I actually think in the practice, what we will do is for, especially because I see a lot of complicated things, hormonal health and things like that, where we talk about lab results and what to do on all these different levels. I'm actually thinking that we should be sending to every patient that we see sort of a summary of what we talked about, because you know how it is. Somebody comes in, people can get very stressed or upset. There is some medical terminology involved. And before we know it, we leave without really understanding what was done or, or simply forgetting it. Sometimes it's a lot of information. So I think really kind of that open and honest communication back and forth that relies on both sides being really heard and understood by each other and working towards a common goal of staying healthy or getting healthier. That's really important. And I really, you know, I really do believe that we have to get away from this patient versus doctor sort of dichotomy here or even language here, but really understand that medicine is about being in it together. It's a partnership between the patient and the physician. I really do agree with that. Although I think sometimes when you're going for help, you feel very vulnerable. And so you're looking for somebody who you feel as if maybe they could just help you and you're not going to be a partner. You're going to somebody who's like a little bit more, um, what would be the right word to use for that? somebody who is more knowledgeable and maybe because of that, you could put them on a different level. But what you're saying is don't put them on a different level, partner with them so that you can complement each other. That's what I'm hearing. Yes, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. And you know, people come, 
to see us. Yeah, because we may have a different type of knowledge, but my yeah. job as a physician is not just to, you know, tell someone what to do. Like that's a very, you know, I would say that's a very sort of uh, authoritative and, and paternalistic yeah. system. And we know that actually doesn't work so well for real lasting change. It works, things work much better where I as the physician can teach someone uh-huh. and empower them to make these changes. And right, and that's at the root of the word doctor actually. You yeah. know, doctor from Latin, it, it's actually actually the word means to teach. Mm-hmm. So I am there to, to really share the knowledge I have in teaching my patient how to specifically in her, I'm saying her because I'm a gynecologist, right. um, and to implement part. that knowledge. Yeah. My husband um, was saying that nobody will care about how much you know until they know how much you care. I think that's very true. And when his older son was going to um, medical school, he told him that. And he said, and that is really the truth. And he kind of tries to live by that with his practice. I think it's, that is so much more important than whether your doctor went to Harvard or not. I do too. I do too. I really it's do. really, it's, it's really, that is much less important or the number of, you know, some doctors have so many different letters after their name and degrees. That is of course in medicine we have to be licensed. We have to meet the minimum educational requirements and we have to have the knowledge and and experience helps too. But all those letters and the school that we graduated from is actually less important than our ability to help people and our ability to care for them. I love your philosophy about this because I'm, I'm so... I so much believe that this is the way it should be. And that, yes, we do want to go to people who we feel care about us. And we have to feel strong enough and empowered enough to advocate for ourselves so that we can we can have that and we can express that to the doctors and, yeah. are and, and what we're thinking. And just because we may not agree with something doesn't mean we break off the relationship. It just means we tell the doctors totally. that conversation and they understand which kind of leads me to this next piece that you were mentioning before, which is motivating the patient, whether they go to a nutritionist or a physical therapist or what have you. The piece is, I, I think that's a very hard thing to motivate people towards in many cases because it takes so long to change a habit. So when we talk about people going to nutritionists or for, for any type of therapies, um, physical therapies, takes a long time to make a change. So how do you go about that with, with the patients to help them to help themselves? This is such a good question, Lori. And you know, there are people who actually study this very thing for years and years. And there is a whole, um, you know, there's a whole field devoted to sort of personal motivation and how to help people achieve what they um, what they can achieve um, and whether we call that personal coaching or motivational interviewing and so on um, you know it goes by different names and it's not easy to do because I'm sure we all have um, 
been up against some resolutions that we've made, right? And it's February, so a lot of our resolutions are out the window by now. Um, but we, we know from that's our personal lives point. that it's not so it's, easy. Yes, yeah, scientifically, that's an important point because now it's February, so we're four weeks yep. past the new year, and it takes a good six to eight weeks to change a behavior, if not more. Yep. So we are we haven't hit that threshold yet of the six to eight yep. weeks. And it's For not sure. a surprise that those resolutions are out the window. Right. So, you know, so one, it's not easy, but we can both as doctors or providers and it, as patients and, and just as people, because we all are up against certain habits that we may want to change and give up some and develop others all the time. Um, that we can cultivate some um, some ideas that will make it easier. So I'll I'll give you an example. I often see people in my practice with complex hormonal issues, and in order to resolve those issues, it's usually not a simple take this pill and you'll be better in two weeks, right? It often the total kind of package will involve some dietary, you know, changes, maybe sleep changes, stress reduction modalities, maybe a prescription, maybe hormones, maybe supplements, all of that. So in order for me to, to somehow be able to help that person, I really need to understand where it is that they want to go with it. What is really driving them or what drove them to meet me in the first place, what do they want to achieve? So I will make that one of my questions for them. Why, why are you, what's the real reason? Oh, I want to sleep better. Or, you know, I worry that um, because I am so tired, I won't be able to go on vacation with my kids and really participate, you know? Um, so number one is really being very intentional and explicit in what our goals are. And that goal may change as we go along the trajectory, right? Because if I can help someone with their sleep, well, maybe it will uncover other things. Maybe they will take a look and say, you know what, we've done that. I'd like to, I'd like to push it out further. You know, like I would really love to take out that, you know, workout routine. Mm -hmm. So number one is really be explicit in your goals. Number two is really think back on things that you were trying to accomplish before and the obstacles that you encountered. And on the other hand, the things that helped you accomplish things before, right? Just because I tell someone, you know, you should exercise five times a week. And that person is thinking to herself, you know what, she's crazy. I work 11 hours a day. I've got three kids at home. There's no way I'm going to do that. I don't have the time. Well, if you tell me, look, I'd love to do it, but it's not realistic right now because I'm working 11 hours <laughs> a day and I have three kids at home. How can I, how can you even ask me to do it? How, how could I fit that in? Well, that allows me as the doctor to understand the context and then we can work together on that. So don't be afraid and sharing kind of your own success stories from before and then your own difficulties because that helps us match what we're going to do to your own sort of life. And I'd like to add 
to that, if you don't mind, don't be embarrassed. So many people walk around embarrassed to tell the doctor something when they first meet or you know, any type of a healthcare provider at all. And the embarrassment, sometimes it hinders you yourself as the patient trying to get that out. So I think that there's rarely something that hasn't been heard before. I have heard it all. (laughs) Yeah, even if you feel like, you know, nobody has had, you know, this situation or that situation or or whatever it is, right? It's very rare. And if it is that rare that it hasn't been heard before, it will be that much more interest in many ways to try and learn and explore what exactly that is. So don't hinder yourself by by being embarrassed if at all possible. And um, and what you're saying, it just holds so true, right? It it holds true also for women's health, but also men's health, just healthcare in general. And what do you think really about, about when somebody says to you, I can't juggle another thing and I'm homeschooling now and I don't even remember calculus and I am ready to lose my mind and I can't do another thing and I know I need to, and I know that I need to do what you're saying, how can I then integrate this a little bit into my life? We, um, you know what, and we're faced with that a lot, especially now as we're juggling so many things, yeah. and we're, you know, we are required to do so many things altogether. So I hear it awesome. a lot. And, you know, people's psychology is different. Some people need to start a habit by going all in. Some people start a habit by making small little baby steps, incremental changes that add up over a long period of time. And that is really the easier way of going about it. So if you can pick one tiny, tiny little thing that you can change, every day and it, and you're able to sustain that and um and follow yourself with that and be accountable for that whether you're accountable to yourself or it's another thing that i'm thinking of for the new practice kind of this idea of accountability and how do we incorporate that right um you're going to be more successful you know we can all go on a i don't know all grapefruit diet for 2 days it is much harder to change our habits in a way that's sustainable and beneficial so overall i am i am much more inclined for people to make gradual changes that are sustainable yeah, yeah. than to commit to something that's completely, you know, that's that you can do for two days, but it's not possible. To yeah, and I think it. most people, I think most people would agree with that. So I typically, um, I, I suggest to people, especially if they need to exercise a little bit, get their endomorphins up during this time. I suggest if you can't do a half an hour, an hour, like you used to, why not just do a five or 10 minute interval if you can? Yeah. If you can't think of something that is making you happy, just pay attention to when you smile and tune into a smile. You know, yeah. just these little tiny tidbits that help people. And I, I think it's wonderful that you're advocating for people to be accountable to themselves in some little way. And if you know that you need help with being accountable to yourself, that that's available. 
Yeah, I think exercise, you know, it's a it's a great example, right? Uh, aren't we all trying to exercise more? Like I, I know I am and some days are better, better than others. But this is this is a great example, right? You're not going to run a marathon in two weeks if you haven't been doing anything now. Like it's impossible to to just accomplish that. So let's start with something easy. So I take exercises pretty much. If you haven't been exercising, pick whatever exercise. It doesn't matter what it is. Something that you enjoy and you add a small, you know, whatever it is, five minutes, 10 minutes, you can do stretching. Do it in the morning. Like there are studies that show that if we exercise in the morning, one, it makes us, sets us up for a better day in terms of our mood, our uh, brain power and so on. But also we're not spending the rest of the day being stressed out about when are we going to exercise and then feeling guilty that we have not, Uh right? So if you can do it in the morning, it has physiologic benefits, but you already are setting yourself up for having started your day by actually accomplishing something for yourself. And that sets up a different sort of, moods um, for that particular day. So these are the things I spend a lot of time talking to my patients about because we can make these little tiny steps that will then change the outcome for that day. And then they add up over time. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. The other thing that I've been suggesting lately, especially since COVID and the homeschooling is get your kids in a routine with you because we all need structure. So I just want to take this moment to kind of throw that in there. So if part of the structure is that everybody exercises together for a few minutes, it's good for the whole family on so many yep. different levels. And, um, and we need that. So sometimes we may be, I, teachers might want to kill me, but sometimes we need maybe a little less of the regiment of, you know, staying in class as much as we do this emotional release so that we can stay in class. So there, there's such a balancing act going on today. And and I do believe in the intervals. And if you could do it in the morning, great. And if you're stressed with the kids at home and everything else, I was working with this one man who's a father and he's home with the kids and he got the kids into running around the house because they couldn't do anywhere. I said, just do a lap, but you know, they just do a lap around the house and it, it works. And, you, and what happens is this one step, exactly what you said, it motivates the next step and the next step. Right. Nothing like building with that. You know, I I think we see so much change in our daily lives with the pandemic that it's important to keep that in mind. And sometimes we have to kind of uh, approach these problems a little bit differently. You know, I've also started to to share with my patients this idea of needing some sort of a break between our work hours and home hours when we work oh. working from home. You know, so before we used to take the train or walk to work or drive to work, and that was the break in between. Well, now there is no break. Now it's just all yeah. the time. So if you can, instead of that commuting time, if you could go for a walk for 15 minutes mm-hmm. um, and use that as this sort of time to break between your work time and home life, that's going to kind of be um, a nice cleansing habit for your mind during the day. I think that would be a fabulous, you know, opportunity. And, you know, if you can't get out of the house, maybe you take a shower 
Or maybe you just excuse yourself from that current situation in any way that makes sense for you, you know, and your family so that you can, you can give yourself that time because that commute time is really important. And I, I don't think we, we recognized it globally as much as we do now. So, yeah. Agree. Yeah. Well, this I think is so helpful. I, I really do because, you know, on one hand, I feel like we just chatted about all these different topics, but really such a wealth of information to share with people um, about, about really trying to take control of your healthcare and understand what part you can play so that you can ultimately live the life you want to live. Absolutely. I agree. So is there anything else you'd like to add? I think, you know, we talked about kind of being preparing mindfully for that visit, um, staying aware during the visit. If you don't understand something, please ask. You know, sometimes we tend to rumble on and on about things and, and sometimes we don't realize what people may not be comprehending and understanding Mm -hmm. and really please don't be afraid to really say no I can't do that that would be impossible for me or no I don't I I know you gave me this prescription but I won't be able to fill it for a variety of reasons you know that's just as an example and please don't be afraid to call back if you go home and you don't remember something or something wasn't clear or something is not working, we want to hear from you because we the, the success of medicine um, is not, doesn't really depend on us rendering advice. It depends on this back and forth relationship that we get into um, with people and it's a wonderful thing about medicine. You know, I get to be an important part of people's lives. Um, I get to know so many people on this super intimate level and I'm so grateful for that. And it's an amazing thing where we can, you know, we can change each other's lives in a really positive way. So don't be afraid to take an active part in your healthcare because your healthcare is for you. Yeah, so well put. So well put. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how would they reach out to you? Yes. So, um, so I am uh, starting this new practice called Tara MD. The website is uh, Tara T A R A M D dot com. Um, it's a splash page for now, but the full website is launching in about two weeks. Um, you can also email us at hello at Tara MD dot com. And we're launching telehealth in March um, and probably in person sometime around May because we're doing construction in the, um, in the office. And uh, it will be sort of not your typical doctor's office. We're going to have nutrition and acupuncture and health coaching and kind of try to do it as a, a one-stop shop. So it's, a, it's been a very, uh, it's been a dream of mine for a long time. And again, I feel very grateful and blessed that I'm getting to participate in making it a reality. I'm so happy that you are, and you truly are um, going to be integrated because you truly do practice both traditional medicine and yes. Oh, I'm not throwing out traditional medicine at all. You know, I do surgery. I, you know, I'm part of 
Um, I'm on faculty at Mount Sinai. I teach their medical students. So I'm very much not giving up conventional medicine, just incorporating the other parts. Yeah. And so I'm very excited for your center to open and wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, Lori. No, thank you. And if anybody has any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at laurienetz.net.